So you drafted a fantasy football team. Big deal. Ooh, Ooh wow. Oh. Good job. Drafting is only half the battle. A month from now, you're going to wake up, check your team, and see that your three best players are hurt. Now what? You need to play the waivers, make trades, know who to start. And that's what we're here for. We're coming to you four times a week during the regular season to give you everything you need to win your league and dominate your group chat. Search for the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+. plus. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. Chicago everywhere. Check it. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Welcome into episode 28 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. I am Jason Goff. That's why you're hearing me. Uh, brought to you by The Ringer and, of course, Spotify is the gang. What you're going to hear on this episode is us get a chance to talk to WNBA champion, WNBA finals MVP, Kalia Copper. And, of course, we're going to mix it up with some phone calls. Uh, the voicemail line has been buzzing as of late because you guys, you know, you stay close to the voicemail long enough and you're going to get a few gems. We, we stay close long enough. You know, last week or so was a little rocky, but I think people are starting to get the, the, the gist of it. And we got to get into those bears with you and those bulls as well. And, and that's where I'm going to lead off right off the bat, Saruti. Um, So as I'm recording this here on this beautiful Thursday afternoon slash early evening. Uh, (laughs) I've got the television on and it's on Espen. It's on the worldwide leader. And I see my guy, Clinton Yates and Mina Kimes and, uh, you know, is it Ramona Shelburne? What up, Mo? And of course, Woody Page, who has been a character for I don't know how long. And it's incredibly interesting story uh, that Woody Page has is, is lived, you know, and, and, and the guy that he's become through a whole bunch of different things. But that's neither here nor there. I see on the Chiron or the graphic which eight and three start is more believable. And it's between the Wizards and our very Chicago Bulls, uh, our very own Chicago Bulls. So in looking at that, it feels like people think that this thing is going to teeter or fall off. And by the way, I did use teeter two, three podcasts ago that the season was teetering. Well, damn it. If you didn't believe it, then believe it now, because Nikola Vucevic has tested positive for COVID or coronavirus. He is in the health and safety protocols. Uh, He will be missing 10 days. In a grueling stretch like this couldn't happen at a worse time for the Chicago Bulls. And there's never really a good time, by the way, the the default is us wishing Nikola Vucevic and his family the best of health in his recovery. Hopefully nobody else around him has contracted this awful disease. Uh, You know, it's it's been reported that the Bulls are 100 percent vaxxed. So 
uh, the the severity of the issue shouldn't loom too large. But Nikola Vucevic has been struggling the beginning of this season. And I'm not saying it's because of COVID or anything like that, but he was just starting to get it going these last couple of games. I believe he had 18 and 10 in the last game uh, against the Dallas Mavericks, and he he was like the final piece, you know, the final infinity stone for this this offense to really look like what it's supposed to look like when they're not running. And that's been the issue when this team is running. They're a different vibe, but if they're not running, they become very stagnant. They become very one-on-one oriented and, and, and a lot of half-court nonsense that takes place. Their assist numbers are, are far below what they were at their best moments last year. So when you add new players, you're going to have to uh, take into uh, account that they, the guy's going to have to gel. There's going to have to be some chemistry forming and bonding that goes on with four dominant personalities in an offense. And the four guys I'm talking about, of course, are Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, who are at the top of the league in scoring, I believe, in the top seven, top eight uh, as teammates. Then you got Lonzo Ball, who is handling the ball on the break and I think handling it a little bit more in half court, which I'm, I'm happy to see because I, I, I thought maybe these first five or six games that he didn't handle the ball as much as I would like for him to handle it. Of course, you got dominant ball handlers like DeMar DeRozan, like Zach Levine. But then Vooch was the guy everybody was waiting on because he had said that he started off slowly. He, he's mentioned this in seasons previous that he started out slowly and it's just a, a feel thing for him. He gets his feel and he's good to go. Well, these last couple of games, it felt like he was getting back to where he needed to be. You know, he's probably not going to be the 23, 24 point per game guy that he was in Orlando. I believe it's 22, 23 a game, but he's probably not going to be that because of the shots that DeMar and, and Zach are taking away from him. But you always knew the rebounding would be there. And you always thought that he would be able to get you anywhere from 16 to 20 points a night. Well, that's, that's been a, it's been a struggle early on for him. And the fact that he got it going these last couple of games and now for his season to be kind of derailed momentarily uh, at this point in time, look, the Bulls are already too small. The Bulls already have issues and depth uh, depth issues in the front court. You know, Patrick Williams is out for the rest of this year with that dislocated wrist. Uh, Vooch struggled early. You know, Tony Bradley really just got on the court in this last week or so. Uh, and now you're going to have to start Tony Bradley against teams who do have big men, some who don't, right? And when you go out west, you're going to have to deal with some dudes like Josef Nurkic, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis. Like, there's going to be some guys that, that, that you're going to have to reckon with, and not only from a defensive standpoint, just to offset some of their offensive output as well. Uh, Tony Bradley can't do that. And I'm not going to say the season is teetering, but, you know, going into this road stretch, uh, I was thinking, you know, you win three or four of these games, you, you're cooking with gas. Now, you know, if I take a look at the schedule here, and, and, and Saruti, if you could throw it up there if, it, to help me out, but I can, I can go on my phone here because I should have had this already ready as a professional podcaster and not the idiot that I am. But here, Bulls Skiduli. Let's throw this into the phone. Here we go. All right. So you got the Warriors. Right. You really don't have to worry about too much of a big man with the Warriors, right? Because you're, you're worried about Steph, you're worried about Jordan Poole, you're worried about Damian Lee, Gary Payton second, like all those dudes running around the perimeter. That might not be a game where it comes into play so much. But then you look at the Clippers. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Zubat still. Uh, I think when you don't have a big man, that kind of big man makes it look real bad for your team. And I think Tony Bradley's going to have to play a lot of minutes. Guys like Alizé Johnson going to have to play a lot of minutes. DeMar DeRozan's going to have to play a lot of power forward. Like, it affects everything. So the fact that Vooch has been tested positive uh, for coronavirus, it, it, it affects not only what this team is trying to become, it affects the now 
you know, the, the present. Because the Bulls are trying to win as many games as they possibly can. And we talked about this during the pre- and post-game show, too. You know, Will brought up the point that the, the teams like Brooklyn and Milwaukee aren't really concerned with home court advantage, right? They want to obviously finish in the top four or so, so they get the playoffs off to a, a decent start at home. And then you then you, you, you worry about the injuries or the fatigue or whatever happens during a playoff run. But teams like the Knicks, teams like the Hawks, you know, teams like – the Miami Heat, those are the teams that are trying to win games in the regular season because they're, they're not playoff tested. Now, the Miami Heat, different situation. You got Kyle Lowry, you got Jimmy Butler, but that's just that Miami Heat thing where Pat Riley and Eric Spolster ain't trying to give up any games. I can dig it. But out west, the Lakers and squads like the Clippers, like these teams understand what they can do in the playoffs. They're just trying to make it there. They're trying to nurse their players along as much as they possibly can while winning as many games as they can and not thinking about number one, number two, number three seeds. The Bulls are one of those teams that are thinking about a, a high seed as high as possible so they can get themselves a first-round home play playoff series if possible so the, all these games matter here early on you know and and our guy jay croucher who uh is, is one of the uh the, the 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 betting dudes that we talk to every once in a while this dude said that the first 10 games of an nba season are more predictive than people actually realize so the bulls won seven of the first 10 so that means the bulls are going to be a decent team barring any unforeseen injury and then COVID hits them you got the warriors you don't have to worry about anything there clippers a little bit then you get to the lakers you do have to worry about big man depth with the lakers and you like i mentioned the trailblazers joseph nurkic and them boys then you get to the nuggets yes you do have to worry about big man depth when you're going up against the reigning mvp so this is going to be an interesting stretch here and hopefully like i said nikola vucevic is okay but zach levine and demar DeRozan, if you think that this team was counting on them the first 10 11 games of the season this next six uh, you're gonna find out how much they can do when tired because the rotations have to change you know you could you could have a couple of starters on the floor while a couple are on the bench now you got a couple of guys on the bench you're talking about only lonzo being out there by himself or only zach being out there by himself or only demar being out there by himself while you're trying to get kobe white back i just I, this disease has affected this organization, affected the NBA, and affected the world. But this team went three and eight when Zach was hurt. I'm not hurt, but when he when he contracted the uh, COVID, right? So, and that was when he, I believe, he was half vaxxed, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Now that that the team is 100% vaxxed, uh, the protocols changed a little bit. Uh, the amount of negative tests you need, I think, changed a little bit. I want to speak to uh, assuredly on that, but yeah. The, the, the chance that Vooch gets outrageously sick has, has diminished because he's vaccinated. So the health part is taken care of. And, you know, we live in a COVID world. You're going to run into this wherever you go and hopefully you don't contract it. But the basketball part is, I don't want to say catastrophic, but this is, this is a week stretch, week and a half stretch where you're going to be bonding as a team and you're going to see some adversity. You're going up against teams who have had championship glory or players who have had championship or playoff success. Like this is a real litmus test for this team. And you, you really can't look at too many regular season games in the NBA as statement games or important games. But when you're a team like the Bulls, yeah, man, you're trying to prove everything. DeMar DeRozan is trying to prove to his teammates that he's still that dude. Zach Levine is trying to prove to the rest of the NBA that, hey, I am that dude. Lonzo Ball is trying to prove to two previous teams that you should have you rode with me a little harder than you did. Like these things, these things drive professional players and they may tell you they're not thinking about that, but they're definitely thinking about it. So now with one of your key cogs down, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. 
I I don't know how you guys are feeling about this Bulls team, but I, I'm getting closer and closer to believing the things that I told myself to believe. If that makes any sense in the offseason, I was like, oh, this team is it might have some might have some shit for people. And then you, you peel back and the season rolls around. You're like, all right, that's one win. All right, that's two wins. All right, they played this team close. Okay, their, their defense is a lot better now. I was coming into this West Coast trip with, with full chest out fan madness. As an observer, as a fan, whatever you want to call it, because this team is playing defense at a level that I didn't think it could play or would play. I mean, you look at the Luka Doncic game against the Dallas Mavericks. He went six for 18. He had 10 assists. He had eight rebounds. That's because he dominates the ball at all times. But the man scored 20 points. It wasn't like he wasn't out there trying. You know, Lonzo Ball, Javante Green, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. I mean, Billy Donovan threw everybody that he possibly could, and it worked. And it worked. They haven't been blitzing the pick and rolling as much as some of you know my partners in crime might like, right? And we've mentioned it on the pre and post game show. He's made those adjustments, so this team is starting to figure out that one, they could play with anybody, and now the second part of that is they could beat anybody. But now without Nikola Vucevic, you worried about that slippage and confidence because the results are going to be different. Even if they win games, the results are going to look and feel different. And I worry that this is, you know, you don't want this season to be uh, just playing catch up even while you're winning. And what I mean by that is Zach Levine has a, a, a ligament issue in his, in his left thumb. Right. It's a thing where he's just pain. It's pain tolerance. And I want to say just because he's going through it, not anybody else. So I don't minimize his pain. But they told him you can have surgery on it or you know, you can do whatever you need to do after the season. But it's not going to get worse. It's just a matter of pain tolerance. So immediately to start the season, you're seeing Zach Levine play in a different way or go through something that he hadn't gone through before. Right. So you're not seeing healthy Zach. Right. And then Lonzo Ball, who we were afraid that, you know, banged up his knee a couple couple of games back we were wondering is he is he being aggressive enough is this the reason why he's not shooting the ball as much like for Lonzo it's pretty much three or nothing at this point because of how clogged up the lane is DeMar DeRozan is is out there doing his mid-range thing Nikola Vucevic operates in the mid uh, in the mid uh, range game as well with the floaters and the pick and roll uh, you know packages that he's uh, usually deploying offensively so yeah there, there's a whole bunch of people trying to learn at the same time and the last thing you need is injury Kobe White coming back being thrown into this mix well Kobe White's coming back now but he was going to benefit from the spacing that Vooch provided when you dump it down to him and kick it out to a guy like Kobe White or any other shooters Vooch ain't gonna be there no more nobody's doubling Tony Bradley or nobody's digging hard on Tony Bradley and getting back to their man so it, it, you don't you never want to be playing catch up and injuries and now COVID obviously have presented that as very realistic uh, possibilities and now they're coming to fruition like COVID has hit this team already. Uh, injuries have hit this team already, and they're eight and three. This next little stretch, though, we're going to find out a lot. We're going to find out a lot about Zach. We're going to find out a lot about DeMar, obviously. And we're still learning about Lonzo and DeMar. But we're going to find out about Billy Donovan, too, because Billy Donovan has been tasked with you know, not bringing kids along anymore. When Lowry Marketing and Wendell Carter Jr. were, were waved bye-bye to, whether it be during last season or this offseason, there's a, there's a new level of expectation. And Billy Donovan, there is no honeymoon period. And I don't think he needs, needed one or needs one, but 
yeah, offensively, they're going to have to get it together, and they're going to have to get it together with a, without a guy who they were counting on half-court-wise. And maybe that's why they struggled, because Vooch wasn't uh, hitting some of the shots that he usually hits in the half-court. But half-court, this, this offense turns into a one-on-one game. I don't know how that's going to change a lot if all you've got now is the perimeter guys going at it the way they need to go at it. But, yeah, it was, it's been fun. It's been fun to watch these Bulls. A lot more fun than it has been over the last couple of years. Every night is entertaining. Every night seems like a show is happening. And that's all you can ask for. You know, entertain the people, play good basketball, and, and, and try your hardest even in a loss. And they've only lost three games. You know, and, and the three games they've lost, they've been in all of them. Uh, you know, there, there was the, the Philadelphia game, the first one, I believe, that, that wasn't the case. But – They've been in all these games. They've competed with everybody that they've had to go up against. You could talk about strength of schedule or Zion not being there or this guy not being there, that guy not being there, but they've beaten who they had to beat. Now they go on a West Coast road trip where even as a kid, even in the Jordan years, I was always like, man, the West is kind of wild. Like they'd go to Oracle or they'd go out to the Bay and it, you know, it'd be against some Baron Davis-led team and you're like, eh, I don't know if this team is any good, but it just feels weird, right? Like as a, as a, as a Sox – fan back in the day watching Cubs games you'd see uh the Cubs go to Montreal right and you'd be like man boy is that a sleepy place to play and it seems like they always get beat there or you'd watch the Sox go to the hump dome in Minnesota and you knew not just because of the team but just because of the atmosphere that they were going to catch an L for whatever reason since I've been a child watching Bulls basketball even with the championship years anytime they headed west it just always seemed weird it always seemed like something was going to be weird there's going to be a weird call there's going to be a weird last second shot it's usually going to happen in Golden State where you get your heart broken and now they all they have to do now is go up against Steph Curry and a team that thinks they can win a championship once again. So for, for Bulls fans out there, if you are taking in all of this fun and all of this, you know, this this fervor that, that has been built around this team and created by this team, the first 11 games, buckle up, buckle up, because the next five or six or so are going to be pretty, um, I think, humbling, to be honest with you. I think I think I think the Bulls are going to be brought back down uh, to to earth a little bit. And, and it's expected because when you lose an all star type center, or all star caliber center, uh, you're expected to take a step back. Now, if they play over that, then we're talking about some real shit. Then, then we're talking about, all right, this team isn't just the cute team that everybody's talking about on television or putting, you know, in certain places in the power rankings. This is a team that's, that's supposed to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference. I could be wrong. Uh, they, they can go out here and go, what is it, 5-0, and 6-0, whatever the case may be. But if they come back home 2-3, and 2-4, and four, I, I, I think you cut your losses and you keep moving forward, obviously, with Nikola Vucevic coming back from COVID protocol. But, yeah, man, might see Kobe White on this, this trip. You won't see Nikola Vucevic and Zach and, and DeMar keep going at it. By the way, I want to say this. Um, watching, watching Zach Levine and watching DeMar DeRozan, and I, I didn't want to forget this, uh, I'm looking forward to those two guys understanding where each other needs to be because they're still taking turns in, in this offense in this early season. 
they're still taking turns of, okay, he's got it going. Let me get out of his way. Now the other guy's got it going. Let me get out of his way. And you can win championships like that. Not saying this team's a championship team, but, you know, we saw, uh, we saw Dwayne Wade and LeBron James their first year, first two years, year and a half, I should say, go about it in that manner. And then they had to have a conversation about who was going to close things out. But I don't think that there's been a conversation about that yet because both these guys can get it going. I'm looking forward to the time where we are looking at the, not just the identity of this team, but how they're going to win. And some nights it's been DeMar. It's been a DeMar a lot of nights, and we act like Zach hasn't had an outstanding beginning of the season because he's not shooting 50%. But Zach has scored 26 a game and shooting 49%. And so it's not like he's struggling with that thumb injury, but it's just been how mind-blowing DeMar's performances have been uh, in, in terms of what you expected and what you're getting. So I'm looking forward to when these guys truly, truly figure out what the other guy needs and how to play off of the other guy. Uh, but until then... Hey, got a couple of tough shot makers who are going to have to go through that West Coast road trip with their tough shot making shoes on because it ain't going to be easy. Time for some commercials. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Welcome in to the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. If you haven't already been here long enough, welcome once again. Uh, now, Kalia Copper is with us. Now, I want to start with your name because I've heard your name butchered <laughs> at least 19 different times over the last few weeks or so. So oh, set, me the too. <laughs> set, the, set the record straight because did I butcher it in that? Because when I see K-A-H, I, I want to get the K off. But yeah, there we it, go. That's it, right? That makes so much sense, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, so, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. Kalia <laughs> Copper joins us here on the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And Spotify, as always, is the gang. I'm going to talk to you about all your glory. I'm going to talk to you about the finals MVP. I'm going to talk to you about the stare down, saw and heard around the oh, world. Lord. Yeah, we're going to get into all that. Don't worry. You're here for a little bit. And you want to turn your camera on for me? Yeah, I'm, I'm going oh. to throw the softball questions away, Kalia. So we're going to get into it. So, North Philly's finest. I want to ask you. I want to ask you something about Philadelphia because, uh, as a kid, I used to go to Belize damn near every summer to go see my great grandmother and my grandma and my mom's side of the family. And then after that, I would be thrown back into the real world because usually on that second leg of the summer vacation, I'd be in either Philly to see my grandfather, okay. or I'd, I'd be in East Orange, New Jersey, to see my grandmother. Oh. So oh, yeah. when I saw Good that places. you, <laughs> right, right. When I saw that you, yeah, because Lord knows it's, it's no fun like walking past Naughty by Nature's old house and saying, "Hey, man, that's where they used to live." But <laughs> I, I, when I saw in the bio that you, you, you're North Philly by the way of Rutgers, I'm like, "Oh, we got we got some things in common there." Um, mm-hmm. How did Philadelphia make you? Before we even get into the the exploits and the results of what has been a fantastic early career, what what does Philadelphia mean to you? Uh, Philly means everything to me. Um, I think just like I like I've been saying, just I mean I've been saying the same things over and over again after the finals, but just being groomed from this city has just instilled this toughness and this um, this dog mentality, um, this hardworking mentality, just instilled into me. And I just carry it everywhere I go. It's a it's a swag too. Yeah, 
No, trust me, I I definitely understand that because you know you got people from Chicago and people from DC arguing about like who made foam posits or who made ACGs. You know, cool. What what is Philly? You talk about the swag. What is what is Philly claim in terms of swagger that no other portion of the United States can claim? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you so you what? thought you was Listen, coming on here to talk about basketball, huh? You know what? I, I did. I didn't think he was going to be putting me in the hot seat like that. That's why my camera on. Yeah, is that what it is? Because <laughs> he was going to be like, see, this is the swag that Philly presents right here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what, 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 is it, what is it about Philadelphia in terms of, you mentioned the swagger that you have and the toughness. Uh, what, how does that manifest itself? Uh, I think that it's just, it's it's in me through and through. So um, I'm just, especially on the court, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a, I'm a different person on the court. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool Kyle off the court, you know, I don't talk much out the way, but on the court, I think that, like I told you before that, that dog just come out, um, you know, talk a little trash to you, uh, <laughs> a little. you know, Mike, cut, <laughs> talk, a, talk a little bit to you, you know, um, just gonna go get a bucket. Just gonna compete. Um, yeah. I think that that's a a major part of it, and it's so fun, so fun to do out there, especially at, at the highest level. So when you're drafted in 2016 by the Washington Mystics, you know, anytime you jump into a career that you've wanted to do your whole life, you never really look at what the bumps in the road or what the journey may be. You're just happy to be there. And I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure draft night was a, an amazing night for you. You went seventh overall, if I'm not mistaken, in, in, in 2016. Yes, lucky number so, seven. Lucky number seven. You go seventh overall. And then – the professional side of things have to occur. The business of basketball. Yeah, the uh, business. What what was that? What was that like for people who aren't uh, privy to y- the way you found your way to the Chicago sky? Like, what was those first few years, a couple years, like in Washington for you? Uh, so you know, being in DC was was cool. You know, it was close to home. That's most important. You know, my family can come out to all of the games. Um, I'm able to. They're able to see me play, and. Um, you know, I was I was just coming out of college, so it was humbling. You know, you go from being the best to going to a league and everybody's just as fast, just as strong, just as athletic or not even better. So um, I think that was humbling. But, you know, the uh, the part of it, you know, getting traded, um, it wasn't as bad as it as it seems, you know, because I was moving into a, a good situation, not knowing what my future would hold. But uh, I think that just going to going to Chicago, getting traded early, just established a, a mentality in me, like never get too comfortable um, in, in your situation and um, just to just to trust my process in general. So I think that that's how I moved after after that, after the trade happened. I just went to Chicago with my head up like, you know, it's just a another bump, a bump, just a bump in the road, you know, small mm-hmm. bump in the road. Nothing like some good adversity. So I just hit Chicago like, okay, let's do it. And let's try to figure things out. Professional discomfort. We always like to talk about sometimes, well, not sometimes, a lot of the times it's necessary because you get complacent, right? Uh, mm-hmm. For you, you know, being, being on the bench for the short stint that you were on the bench, what did you have to reexamine in yourself? Because, you know, a lot of times we talk to athletes, we talk to people in general in our industry, outside our industries, like you just mentioned, you know, complacency and keeping that mentality. But sometimes you, you think that you're a lot better than you actually are. And mm-hmm. people around you might be trying to tell 
tell you that and you're not trying to hear it because this ego and this dog mentality got you there. How did you, how'd you have to kind of balance those things when it came to, okay, I got to examine why I'm not where I want to be in terms of my game? Uh, so I think that, that that's actually a, a really good point because in the, when you, when you get, when you leave college, especially, or you even, you just transition to different levels of, um, whatever, you, whatever your career is. So, you know, going from mm-hmm. high school, you know, you're the best at what you do. You go to college and everybody's just as good. Then you go to the WNBA and it's like, whoa, like it's a totally different space. So, I think that the the humbling part is is really is really good. But I think that when I got to Chicago, I just wanted to um, figure out what I could bring to the team. You know, it's it's roles. It, everybody has a role on teams, especially championship teams. And I think that um, your your role is important. Every every single person that has a role on a team is very important in order for that well oiled machine to go. So I just tried to you know figure out how I could somehow insert myself into um a role a, an important role so you know i started with handshakes you know i felt like the team ain't have enough energy i'm like they 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 dry over here i'm about to i'm about to turn this thing up real quick hold up so i'm like yeah let's do some handshakes so you know the first year i'm like all right i don't really know these mugs so i'm just gonna it's gonna be like i'm gonna just do a little bit yeah yeah a little bit a little bit so i think as the years as the years went by, I'm like, okay, let's start getting people out their comfort zone. Like, let's really um, enjoy this moment before the game. You know, it's the small things. It's not always the, all the on-court stuff that, you know, gets everybody ready and ready to play. And just in a zone and in a space where you feel free. So mm. I think that um, me doing those handshakes um, just really turned our team, turned us up. We start with handshakes and then we start doing walking out intros. And every single person on our team was engaged, was laughed in, and they wanted to do it, genuinely wanted to, you know, get hyped before the game. And I think that that gave us a little bit of swag as a team. Mm. Um, and that was that was super important for us to – we come out we come out before games, like, really, we talking mess already before the game start. So uh, I think that we come out with a confidence and we came out with a swag just because I started to find my role within this team. So you mentioned comfort zones, and that stuck out to me just now because uh, mentioning you're a professional athlete. You've done this at a high level for most of your life, and that determination, that drive, and let's let's be real about it, keep it funky, that ego is what's driven you to this point. What what makes you uncomfortable professionally, um, as a player? Like we talk about professional discomfort, but like when you're out of your comfort zone, what does that feel like to you? Because I know, for instance, I hell uh, ten minutes, you know, twenty minutes before this this interview, I just got out of my therapy session. So I've already I've already spilled my guts for the last hour or so and <laughs> talking about what what makes me comfortable, what makes me uncomfortable. But for you, uh, whether it be on the court, whether it be with teammates, like what what do you know that when Kalia and you know in, engages with it or interacts with it, there's a certain level of discomfort that you may or may not have to get over. Um, you know, I think that that discomfort is is good discomfort. You know, within 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 whatever you do, your workplace. I think that that's where you grow. When you're when you're uh, uncomfortable, when things are getting rocky, you know, that's that's the point of your. That's where your growth is happening. You know, everything is not going to be easy all the time. Right. Um. I think that, um, especially when you want to be great and where, where you want to 
uh, make it to the top and win at the highest level is is never going to be a smooth sailing thing. So I think that being uncomfortable when I got comfortable with being uncomfortable, um, I think that that's when I started to to really grow um, and really get outside of myself. What does James Wade mean to you? Because I uh, got a chance to interview him during uh, the pre and post game show that I get a chance to host with Kendall Gill and Will Purdue uh, for the Chicago Bulls. And, you know, interviewing James is like, and I'll be I'll be honest with you. After talking to him, I was like, I I need to get my life together because (laughs) that that man is as like reserved and as confident. And, you know, he's got that understated uh, confidence that, you know, it it just there's a presence. Now, you can tell me if I'm wrong, if if James is out here with the, you know, the silly string and the the seltzer bottle water, you know, and uh, and messing around in the the locker room. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but there's a certain kind of stoic confidence that he presents as a coach that I've always been uh, I've always taken a liking to what what is he meant to not only that locker room but to you I think that um James is special because uh he came he came to a team who was struggling um didn't have an identity and um completely changed things from day one you know we shifted the culture from day one which is very important within within teams uh you can look around the w you can see a lot of talent on different teams but if the culture isn't there um, they're not going to win. So I think what was very important for me is is James coming in and really shifting the culture and setting the tone from the start. You know what what we were gonna what how we were gonna run things, um, how we moved as a team, just in general, like the culture. So I think that that was a major point of emphasis for me for what James brought to us is culture. And you know he came from winning. Um, he won a championship in Minnesota. And um, he knew what it takes to win. He also had the blueprint like Candace. So um, mm-hmm. f- for him coming in and really setting the tone with the culture standpoint, you know, he, he's a he's a basketball guru. So he was going to put the put the talent together. You know, we already had the talent. So he was going to make us all play together and make sure we will all be successful. So you mentioned Candace and you mentioned the W. Uh, I remember when the WNBA first tipped off and you got to see Cheryl Swoops and, uh, you know, Tina Thompson and, you know, Lisa Leslie and Rebecca Lobo and all these little different cities was on uh, national television. And you saw these ladies getting a chance. And and the, the crazy part for me, I was sitting there watching these ladies and like, man, these, some of these people, they're 12, 13 years into a career and they're just getting introduced to an audience and to a nation. Now you can kind of follow and watch that storyline and watch players grow. Candace Parker. And I, I was booking Candace Parker when she was 14 years old on the local sports radio station as a producer because we knew how special she was and now to see her mm-hmm. get you know another nba title it with her home squad uh mm-hmm. it's, it's the kind of stuff that the dreams are made of and the, the story tales that, that are told what what is candace what has she been like not just as a teammate but as a wnba icon like being around somebody who is one of the the foundational pillars of what this league has meant over the last decade or so uh, so I think Candace is, is great, you know, on the court and off the court. You know, she just brought a, a strong presence and a strong sense of uh, leadership to our team. You know, we have so many different leadership styles, and which is important. You know, everybody leads differently. But, um, you know, when Candace came from L.A., we knew she had the blueprint and knew how to win. I knew what it takes and knew, knew that she could get us there because she's done it for L.A. Um, but I think that. You know, we can talk about her 
her on the court stuff and everything, her accolades and all of that. But I think that what's much greater than that is just the person that she is. Um, and what she was for me um, this season, I think that her just pouring into me as a young player in the league. Um, and, you know, she just, she came to our team um, and she just didn't want to like, didn't come in just doing the most or anything. She just <laughs> came in and wanted to just contribute. Uh, she always talked about how she liked watching us play and just loved the way we played with each other and played for each other. But she just came into Chicago and just literally poured into me. And I was just a sponge, um, just mm. taking it all in. And um, she was a major part of um, why we were so successful as a team and why I was success successful individually. Yeah, yeah. When did you know that this team was going to do something special? Was there a moment? Was there a game? Was there a time of adversity? Like, when did it come together for you? Maybe you, you voiced it to your fellow teammates. Maybe you kept it to yourself. But you were like, yo, this, is, uh, this ain't no regular season. I think that um... – you know, early in the season, we hit adversity. We we lost seven, and then we, we won seven. So we were losing all of those games. Like, they were so tight. Mind you, we didn't have Ali, Steph, or Candace. So um, we knew we still had enough in those moments to win those games, which was scary. So we're like, like if we we right there and we don't have three of our major players, like, we're we're gonna be really 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 good when we when we get it all together. And you know, when everybody came back and we went on that run, we won seven straight. Um, and then I think that the playoffs, we um, our our sense of urgency just heightened, which I love to see because we didn't have that we didn't have that killer um, instinct throughout the season. But you know, those single elimination games, yeah. they gave us they gave us the the heightened sense of urgency, and it really had us like locked in, like okay, like it's, it's do or die time now. And I think that that's all we needed was those single elimination games in order to to do what we do. Like we didn't need to double buy. We didn't need to sit at home and wait on nobody. We needed to be on edge all the time, and that's what we were. And that's when we played our best. Oh, Khalid, you, you don't sound like a person who is hard to get on that edge uh, from this from these first few moments interviewing you. It uh, doesn't sound like it takes much to get you where you need to be, and that's where we come. Perfect segue to the moment. Uh, Kalia Copper, I, 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 the moment where you are bending over and what, what's the young lady's name? I forget the, the, the player's name that, that this was happening to. Uh, but in, in the in the finals against the Phoenix Mercury, where you are screaming in, in in with energy and with with passion, but just letting people know, you know, you can't really you can't really mess with this. Uh, <laughs> what happened in that instance? Was there something that led up to that play? Because I watched the I watched the the interaction, and I'm sitting there like, "Oh, this is this is the shit that I like." But you know, I'm sure other <laughs> people were watching like, "Oh, what's happening here?" And of course, the optics. Let's keep it funky. The optics were were like, "Oh, this is okay. This is this is what's happening on this court," and I'm down with it. And Chicago Sky, so I'm rooting for it. But what happened in that moment? Because it's it's going to be, I think, a seminal moment in WNBA history. We're gonna go back and look at that picture and say. Say, this is this is when not only the Chicago Sky won it, but this is when everybody was put on notice who Kalia Copper is. Uh, I think that it's funny everybody talks about it, but I mean that moment is like what women's basketball need. You know, we should be able to, yeah. to be passionate, to be feisty, or whatever when we feel like it. You know, we're the best at what we do, so that's a part of the game. So I think that uh, it shouldn't be. Everybody shouldn't be that hype about it. Like, this should be so frequent that it's like, oh, well, 
like it's just competitors going That's at just it. what it is yeah. yeah so i think in, in that moment you know um it's the playoffs like i'm doing whatever i'm gonna do to get the um to get my team an extra possession that's all um and uh, i ain't gonna let nobody say nothing crazy to me so that's just that <laughs> <laughs> was there some craziness that was uh it was sophie cunningham right was there some craziness that was said prior to that or is it just you know you're not gonna back down well, I and mean, it's as simple as that i'm, I'm never gonna I'm, I'm never gonna back down i don't care who it is like what you do don't matter to me but it's just that's just not gonna happen <laughs> right i don't right. even play like that Right. I can dig it. I, I don't want to play with you from the sounds of it. I, I don't want any smoke, especially here on the podcast. Um, speaking of, you know, people being hyped over things, I'm I'm all, always trying to be mindful of the questions I should ask and shouldn't. By the way, shout out to the pup in the background. So I've got mine outside because I knew the same thing would be happening uh, for you being a, a, a WNBA player, being a, a female athlete. What are the questions or what are some of the things that you wished were asked more often? And what what's too frequently asked for you where you understand that you're trying to sell the league, sell your personality, sell your brand. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you, you sometimes people have issues navigating those waters because frankly they don't know the league well enough or they don't know who you are like what what questions need to be asked of WNBA players uh you know outside of when we're talking about labor negotiations or you know getting paid the 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 correct percentage of the pie like those things I've talked about before on this pod and uh in, in my radio life but what do you think needs to what's the next level of questioning that needs to to occur and so that the league is fully fleshed out and understood by uh casual fans and diehard fans so i think that the i think the league um must tap into their young players i think um for sure tapping into their younger players tapping into their stories and where they come from and their process because um it shouldn't take for you know for example, um, Erica Wheeler, you know, nobody would have ever known her story if she wasn't the um, all-star MVP. Um, mm-hmm. For even me, if I wasn't finals MVP, like, who would know my story? Where, like, all everybody, it's so many players in the league that have a story. Um, but, you know, I think the league, sometimes they focus on the same players. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't really tap into the, the, the young players that are up and coming, that are, that are growing and getting better. I'm going to be the next face of the league. So I think that um, in general, media, the league, or whoever just should tap into their younger players and um, to just start to, um, you know, give them a little more light, tap into them, learn about them, um, get their stories, get their backgrounds. Like everybody have a good story that, that, that'll be able to inspire somebody out there to, to keep going. What was the greatest celebratory moment that you've had so far being the WNBA Finals MVP and a champion? Ah, uh, I had so many moments actually. Um, I, I saw y'all. Say, I saw y'all getting it in at clutch, and I was like, "Man, this is <laughs> this. Is, yeah, you don't get it twisted. I'm not. Yeah, you I'm know, done with I'm, the champagne too. That's over. <laughs> no why you done with the champagne, Kyle? What? Tell me why. Nah, that's just over with. That's over. <laughs> never again. Mm-mm, never ever. Over until with. the until the next championship. Yeah, until the next championship. That's it. Yeah, yeah. What, what what moments? The parade, uh, the the after. I think coming the, home, now. you know, being home, you know, the city really showing out. I know I got the key to the city. Um, 
my family, my friends coming out. It's just like, it's been crazy, but it's been amazing. Yeah. 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 For sure. And you deserve it because you worked your ass off and you know, when you, when you get sent to a new organization, new team, uh, I'm sure that is jarring, especially at your, you know, at such a young age, starting a career. But you handled it like a champ, and you are now a champ. And we appreciate your time. Make sure you're not a stranger. You know, you, I, don't, I don't need you big time in me when you go on like a two or three championship run. Now, don't you know Never. when we call? When we call, you gotta you gotta pick up the phone for us. All right? For sure, I got you. We left in. All right, I appreciate it. By the way, before you go, before you go, best day of your career, worst day of your career. Best day, winning the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, worst day, I don't have the worst day. As long as I'm able to play and I'm out there, you know, I'm blessed. So I'm healthy. Uh, no uh, worst days. No worst Saruti, days. Saruti, Saruti, this this young lady is media trained. She see, she's a superstar already. <laughs> this is this is this is this is what that media money do to you I'm right crying. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kalia hit me with that. I don't have no bad days, player. This is just how it is. This is the sauce as yeah. always. I appreciate For you. Sure. Before we let you, also give me uh give me what you're listening to these days because we're gonna put together a, a playlist of all our interviewees. Uh, whether it's old, new, whatever you're listening to, you know, maybe maybe a little state property. Uh, I'm listening. To, I'm listening to Meek or I'm listening to R and B. Nothing in between. Nothing in between. All Nothing right. in between. All right, I got you. I appreciate you, Philadelphia to the death, Kalia. I appreciate yes, your time. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, bye bye. The full goal with Jason Golf. Connect with the show 24-7 on the Full Gold voicemail line. Hit us up at 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. want to say thank you once again to Kalia Copper, champion Kalia Copper, for joining us here on the Full Gold Podcast. She's got a, a busy offseason and then right back to the grind, so we appreciate her giving us some of her time. And speaking of giving us some of your time, you guys hit the voicemail lineup. Even when I don't ask you questions, you hit it up when I tweet out questions, and we all appreciate you. Make sure you're always telling us where you're calling from and what your name is. Rudy, let's get to these voicemails, brother. What's up, Jason, man? This is Jay from Lyle. Man, I'm so excited about the Bulls. First of all, those black unis were fire, fire, fire. Uh, second of all, man, uh, some big wins this week. Uh, they played really well last night versus Dallas. I honestly, I think we need to credit uh, Javante Green, our mini Draymond Green. This guy is guarding. He is so undersized at the position, and he's guarding everyone. That is exactly what Draymond Green does. He plays with intensity. <laughs> Now, he doesn't have the playmaking ability that Draymond has and the offensive skill set. Well, not to say that Draymond is some big offensive skill set player, but he does have uh, – he does push the ball on the break after a board. Uh, uh, better playmaker overall. But that is our mini Draymond Green right there. That guy has been a stud uh, so far since he's been put in the starting lineup. Uh, he has done exactly what we've asked him to do. And, uh, yeah, man, that's it. Uh, just really excited about where the team is going. Big, big trip coming up now. Uh, and, uh, yeah, man, that's it. Uh, appreciate the call, Jay. You know, I, I always love, cause I do it often too. I do it usually in conversation, like not knowing when to stop it. 
I mean, hell, I do it on this podcast, like not knowing when to actually stop talking. It, it sounded like Jay at the end there. He didn't want to say, you know, like big fan again or talk to you later or anything like that. So he just stopped talking. I, I think that's what we should all do in small talk going forward as people. Just when you're done talking, just stop talking and then look at the person. But uh, Javante Green and Draymond Green share the last name Green. Uh, and and that's about it, Jay. Like, I understand where you're going with this. Uh, Javante is doing a hell of, yeah, that's about it, Saruti. Like, I can't do it. I was I was going to placate him and be like, yeah, nah, cut it out. Javante uh, and Draymond know. are two different dudes. Like, one's a Hall of Famer with, with three chips. The other dude is a dude who, like, is playing his ass off. By the way, Dollar Bill Simmons reached out and was like, ah, oh, have, I, have, I, have I told you that uh, that I was, I wanted Brad Stevens to play Javante Green for two years and look at what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that's Bill's guy too. But I feel like yeah, Javon, he's good. He's a good player. But let's no, not he do is. That. I I just feel like Draymond <laughs> is the guy that every fan base tries to compare. Like, oh, we gotta get our Draymond. This guy's our Draymond. There's really like one Draymond. You know, that he's one of the most. And they treat players. him like he ain't shit too. So yeah. he's like you know, the guy who can't score but defends everybody. Like, hold on, no, like that's not. He's one of the Draymond. most unique players in the history of the NBA. But like, oh, right. we gotta find our Draymond. Like, okay, right. <laughs> he got drafted late. You made oh, so find easy. those. <laughs> hey, do you know the story about Draymond Green and the Bulls draft? I don't actually know. Uh, okay, so and it's out there now, or at least I hope it is. Uh, <laughs> that's a bad start to any story when you're trying to divulge <laughs> some information. But uh, Tom Thibodeau apparently rang the bells to draft Draymond Green. Like, this is who we need. Let's do this. This is like this is the guy. Michigan. He does State. seem like a Tibbs guy. When, oh, yeah, come like, on. Yeah, if you build the Tibbs player, it's it's Draymond Green. Spitting image. Going want to play forty five minutes, even though his knees are telling him not to. Like this is what Tibbs would 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 build. Like you said, if there was a Tibbs player, this is what it would be. Uh, a guy don't want to shoot too much, right? <laughs> so they wanted to draft someone else, uh, and Tibbs was like, "No, this is the guy. This is who we want." Now this is from people who are around Tibbs' side of things, maybe, right? Maybe Gar Foreman and John Paxson would have something to say different, and it wouldn't surprise me because they've never agreed with anything that I've said, even when it was the truth. Uh, and don't worry, that's not, me, that's not me personalizing any of this right now. But So they wanted, he wanted to draft Draymond Green. The Bulls ended up taking Marcus Teague. And if anyone out there remembers Marcus Teague's career, uh, God bless you. Because outside the Teague family, I was gonna say, I remember his brother's career. Yeah, 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 yeah. Outside the Teague, Jeff, shout out to Jeff. I actually got a chance to, to cover Jeff a couple of years while I was in Atlanta. But yeah, Marcus Teague's career did not quite go the way people would have liked it to go to to have gone. To to put it very mildly, and um, he wanted Draymond in a bad way. You know, now is Draymond Draymond without Clay and Steph and all these? Other, maybe obviously his his weaknesses are covered up when you have that much offensive firepower on the floor. But you you could you could play yourself if you want to and act like Draymond Green wasn't an integral part, a vital part, a leadership part, a defensive part. This dude was defensive player of the year. So you know, I think his career panned out a little bit better than Marcus Teague's, and I think it was just another. Um, Another uh, salvo fired. Another another shot across the bow for that of the Gar Foreman John Paxson uh, tenure that was Bulls front office management. So shout out to Tibbs and shout out to Jay for not knowing when to talk when to stop talking. I should say, kind of like me right now. So uh, let's go to the next voicemail, Rudy. Yeah, this is Ray calling out of San Francisco. Um, I'm just wondering what the Bulls are going to do now with Vucevic out. 
I mean, they already don't even have much depth at the center position, so I'm really wondering what they're going to do. Are they going to call somebody from the G League, or are they going to just keep playing small? They already have Pat Williams out. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Um, really wondering what they're going to do on that front. Um, thank you. <laughs> so cordial. We got, All right. Yeah, we got like a real orderly kind of proceeding to the voicemail segment as a lab. I'm I'm used to like I said the souls like slipping out of you guys slowly but surely during Sunday voicemail. I will say, so. Jason, people I think brought. It. I think people are excited about the bull situation more than they were the bears. So people kind of brought it a little bit for this one because I think there's there's more excitement around them. Yeah, of course. And, and with the winter months coming and it getting darker earlier because of daylight savings time. By the way, fuck whoever made daylight savings time. Like, why are we still, <laughs> why are we still going through this where we got to set clocks back an hour, set them forward? Like, it, it, the the time it is is the time it is, right? Like, I, I just don't get it. But yeah, man, they they're gonna be small. Like Tony Bradley's gonna play. Alize Johnson, best name in the NBA, he's gonna play. He's six foot seven, six foot eight. But they're gonna be small. They got a gang rebound, right? They got <laughs> defensively, they might be a little bit more active because Vooch has issues sliding laterally. Uh, not it's not an effort thing. It's just foot speed and agility. Uh, so yeah, Derrick Jones Jr. gonna be. I mean, Javante Green was sticking Chris Stapps Porzingis in a game where Vooch was healthy, right? So. <laughs> They're used to having mismatches, especially in the front court. Uh, now it's going to be further accentuated because you don't have a six foot ten, six foot eleven, two hundred and fifty pound player who poses an offensive uh, uh, problem for the defense. You know, Tony Bradley does not pose that problem. Tony Bradley's not even a run and jump guy. Tony Bradley's really a big body who can change some shots at the rim. So you're going to have to get 30 a game out of both Zach and Demar. You're going to have to hope that Kobe White comes. Like they're going to have to outscore people on this West Coast road trip. It's as simple as that. So if you run up and down and more than the Lakers or the Clippers want to, God bless you. If you can, you know, if you can hold uh, you know, Damian Lillard under 25, which a lot of teams have been doing this year, God bless you. But defensively and rebounding-wise, this team had those issues before Vooch uh, came down with COVID. So I can only imagine what they're going to be after. And if they don't do – if they, like, handle all of these things the way that we'd like them to, then cool. But if they don't, don't be surprised. All right, what else we got, Rudy? Hey, Jason, it's J.D. from the Southwest Suburbs. Um, happy belated birthday, and I just got to say I'm very jealous that you got to go sit courtside in the Chicago Bulls game. <laughs> I don't have a long bucket list in life, but sitting courtside in an NBA game is one of them. We'll see if it's able to happen someday. <laughs> but I guess my question comes from that. So being able to watch courtside Bulls against the Nets, you know, who from that game really stood out to you being that close to the action with that height and that speed for both teams? Who stood out to you, you know, for both teams and then specifically stood out to you from the Bulls just being that close in terms of still mm-hmm. athleticism? You know, name the quality. Uh, just love to hear your thoughts on that. Have a blessed day. Appreciate it, man. Uh, looking out, uh, good looking out. And he hit me with the "Have a blessed day." Usually, the brothers or the the uh, the uh, old church moms hit you with that. But <laughs> shout out to you for maybe you're both, maybe you're both. But uh, shout out to you and you too. Have a blessed day, my man. Um, so yeah, covering the games, you know, you get close, right? And you're sometimes you're on press row. Sometimes I got you in section one. Was it one twelve or one fifteen? Right over the tunnel. Uh, and for the last couple of years, obviously, I haven't been that close because I've been doing pregame and postgame. 
but I've been close to NBA action before. This was different because I'm a different person as a fan than I am covering games. Obviously, you can't cheer and all that. But as a fan, I'm uh, taking notice of some of the same things I am covering it, but closer. So, for instance, the 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 amount of communication. Those are the things that intrigue me. Um, Guys, footwork. Uh, watching how dudes get ready to get open, not just getting open. Uh, and, and of course, you know, what stood out to you or to me is a seven-foot shooting guard in the NBA. Like, <laughs> Kevin Durant is one of the best scorers of all time, and he didn't, he, didn't, uh, he didn't let me down in that game. He had 38, and it didn't seem like he even broke a sweat. Right. He was putting up shots. I mean, the Bulls did a good job at, at, at confounding him in, in, in key moments and key stretches of that game. Lonzo Ball, I think, did a really, really good job against him. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Lonzo Ball took the uh, he, he took the task of guarding Kevin Durant down the stretch. And it worked several times. But, yeah, whenever you get a chance to see the greats, um, anytime I got a chance to see Kobe or cover Kobe, I made sure I showed up for that game. Uh, LeBron, the same way. In those 2011 playoffs where Derek and LeBron were going at it, like I, I would tell guys, like, "Hey, man, you gotta realize what we are witnessing. Like, this is this is not normal. This is special. Like, take this in, even if you're covering it uh, from an objective point of view. So, from a fan point of view, watching that game and watching it with my lady and, and watching it with, through her eyes as well, like her seeing how the physicality and the speed of the game up close, uh, I was, you know, it was it was eye opening to say the least. But yeah, Kevin Durant. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, like the stars that you expect to have your eyes on. That's who I watched the entire game. And, of course, that was up to some of the homies in the industry. But other than that, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a good vibe. I appreciate it. And if the Bulls or NBC Sports Chicago ever want to give me courtside seats again, I won't turn them down. But what, what needs to change, though, is, yo, I didn't get any – well, we didn't get any service for the entire time we were down there. It was there was an issue with the wait staff or I, I had to order four margaritas because I knew they wasn't coming back. So, yeah, you know, for the VIP experience, it didn't feel very VIP ish when it came to our thirst and our hunger uh, during the game. But other than that, it was cool, man. Hey, I enjoyed my time. All right. We got one more left. Sarudi. what we got? Oh, we got two, two ba- more. Two, we right, got two we- bears things real quick. Oh damn it! Now, now you're gonna you're gonna bring the mood down. No, All no. Right. Try, they're, 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 <laughs> it's, this is the, the only good part of the bears. Here we go. All right. Here we go. What up, this is Ben from Lincoln Park. Um, just want to say what a terrible game from a play calling standpoint, but got to agree that that was like one of those that dude games for Justin Fields. Like he made the throws at the end of the game that we asked him to make, and that's really all. And like, obviously, Rothbard got those bullshit calls, and they get the win, and they won by like a handful of points, and, and Fields looked like that guy we were hoping he looked like. Love the show. Respect what you're doing. Like, it's nice to have a national voice talking about Chicago every day. Peace. Bruh, I appreciate the call. And forget the Bears. We got to... We got to figure out, like, what what basement you're trapped in that you can't talk louder than that on the phone. Like, I don't know if he's like a third shifter and he don't want people to know that he's on the phone hollering at me about the Bears. But, man, we got to 
Man, we got to get that guy's energy, not his energy level, but we got to make sure that that guy's not in trouble. Like, he hasn't been abducted and is sitting in somebody's basement right now. But, yeah, man. You, you it, get one call, and they call, he, calls, he calls the show. That's what. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Oh, damn. Well, Rudy going to bail you out, fam, because I got a baby. I can't. <laughs> my money is allocated elsewhere. So if it's anything more than $500, then that's on you. But, yeah, I've been saying it, and I'm glad it happened these last couple of games because I was getting a little worried. I'm not going to bullshit you like, you know, when we say things about these players, we, we know it just doesn't go off into the ether and never comes back to bite us in the ass. Like, that, 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 which game was it the game before last? The Packers game. Yeah, that Packers game. I was like, uh, is that No, was it the, there was a Bucks game. The Buccaneers game was where I was like, oh, shit, what if I'm wrong about this? But I, I, I stood firm. I didn't let y'all know that I was doubting some things about myself and talent evaluation when it came to Justin Fields. And I'll be damned if he didn't have two games to make you think this dude should have been starting like what if he had got the reps in preseason or training camp maybe these first few games would have gotten out of the way in the first few games but hey it is what it is I think Justin Fields is that dude and I think he's going to uh, be the uh, the apple of the eye of some new head coach and some better training staff and developmental uh, dudes because this ain't it this ain't it um, Matt Nagy is screaming and yelling and, and trying to prove something and it's just not going the way that uh, I think anybody in the city would like it to go including Justin Fields so you can you can get mad at Cassius Marsh or get mad at Tony Corinthian and his officiating crew all you want the other 10 penalties for 100 some odd yards happened as well right and Robert Quinn lining up offsides twice or dudes with pre-snap penalties those things continue to happen so if you ain't benching dudes and they keep doing those things then they understand that there's no punishment for them so you keep it moving right like you either you either coaching it or you're going through it and I think the Bears are just going through it until they get a new coach all right the last voicemail coming up here what we got Jason my man first time first time no not really I've been listening to you for a little bit now <laughs> just getting over this game frustrating that we lost it sucks it it sucks because it definitely doesn't feel like we were the worst team we're the worst team but Man, it feels good to have a future. It really does. My boy has got ice in his veins. Those throws, the runs, the decision making, he's got it down pat, man. We just got to get Maggie out. Because not even the refs respect him or his team. Team don't respect him. They're my penalties. Out of here. I'm dumb. I'm, I'm. Everything feels us now. Now on, I believe it's just all on him. It's by Maggie. Much love, bro. Take care. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. I, I, that was going to get real, um, like, after school specialist, right? Like, he was like, uh, you know, I, I have a feeling that there's hope. And then, you know, I, there's a future out there for me. And you're a Bears fan. Ain't no damn future. You just hope every 10, 12 years they can make their raggedy asses to the Super Bowl. That's it. Let, let, let's, let's stop with this, all right? We are never going to live the, the lives that, that New England Patriots fans live for, what, 15, 16 years, right? 
Like we're hoping this kid gets you to a Super Bowl, maybe two. But the infrastructure of this organization ain't gonna never be to the point where it is ironclad, impenetrable. You can't mess with it. All right, you got you got CEOs of of, of business, you know, helping with the football decisions at times. You don't know who you, you really has the final say in certain matters. Like, nah, knock that off. Knock off all that hope. Knock off all that future. You just hope that Justin Fields in the next six or seven years. Uh, between, you know, you know, bad play by the people around him, bad play on his own or injury, which is bound to happen in the NFL. You just hope that you can make a couple visits to the Super Bowl so you can uh, justify, uh, no pun intended, obviously, but justify the trading up for Justin Fields, right? Uh, so get all that other nonsense out you. You know what I am, Srudy? I am the uh, the school counselor coming in to, uh, or, or not even the counselor, but like the job fair dude coming in and be like, hey, everybody in here, I know a lot of y'all want to sing. I know a lot of y'all want to be doctors and lawyers. And I know a lot of y'all think that you're really good at the arts. But trade school is going to be the way to go for at least 65% of y'all. So <laughs> Dream big, so, but chances are, yeah, right, right, you ain't going nowhere. Right, right, right. Get you a good pension, join a union, and shut your bum ass up about the Super Bowls and, and sustainable success as a Bears fan. That's as simple as that. Stop stop wishing for things and start working toward the things that can actually happen, right? There it is. I, I, I'm Mr. Goff, and I'll have your packet at the front of the lobby on the way out. By the way, there's a recruiter over there that wants you to jump into the Army while you're at it. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's all I can say to Bears fans. Enjoy the highs as many times as you possibly can because there is no end in sight, right? The, the, you, I, I promise you that you, there's never going to be a dynasty in the city of Chicago, and that sounds awful, right? There's never going to be a 10, 12, 15-year, this team is going to be 12 games or better on the win column dynasty. That's not happening, and, it, and it's not supposed to happen because it's the Bears. Simple When's the last that. time you were optimistic about the Bears? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> let's get real deep. Oh, <laughs> and were you still a teenager? Shit. No, I gotta be. I mean, you went to you. a Super Bowl, so like, yeah, you know. yeah. So the last time I was optimistic is when they made the trade for Cutler. Okay. Yeah, me yeah. too. I guess. Yeah. I was. We were on the air that day, and you know that's that's heavy news. That's a Pro Bowl quarterback under the age of twenty five getting traded to your team. And boy, oh boy, from the from moment one, right? Like they were, I believe it was that first game against the 49ers where like Jay had a propensity to throw the ball to defensive tackles who were 300 pounds and then run it back. It, one, it was one player for the 49ers who did it, and then it was B.J. Raji, famously, who did it for the Packers, right? But other than that, like as soon as Jay arrived, you know, there was issues. Uh, is, he, is he too aloof? Is he a leader? Like Ron Turner was calling him out. He was calling out Devin Hester. And then – and then people started saying, oh, he can't see. What, the reason why he doesn't play well at night is because he got diabetes and it affects his vision. Like every excuse in the world was made for the man. And all I was doing was sitting back like, God damn, I thought this was the hope that I was going to have and need and want. And, and you know, the Jay Cutler tenure turned into what it turned into. So, no, uh, long story, less long, 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 <laughs> short, short question, long answer. No. <laughs> I, I don't know when the last time I've had hope or faith. Yeah, I've learned. I, I was going to walk into this season with no hope and no faith, and then they traded up for Justin Fields only to sit him on the bench behind the red rifle. So 
I don't know, man. There, there, there is no hope in, in, in Bears land until someone shows me proof of hope. I need, I need proof of concept. That's all. Uh, speaking of proof of concept, this is why we do the voicemails. You guys are really good. I appreciate all of you. That one brother, we got to get you up out of that hostage situation that you were in. But other than that, man, thank you so much for hitting up the voicemail line. We'll do this every time that we're on here as long as they're good. All right, that's all the time we have here on episode 28 of the Full Goal Podcast. We'll be back on Sunday when we get a break from the Bears. That's right. You get to go out and hang out with your people and make them think that it's just because you love them and not because your favorite football team is on a bye. We also may get into what's happening with Scottie Pippen, y'all. We're going we're gonna to have to chop that up. And as always, make sure you hit us up on the voicemail line, 773-359-3103, 773-359-3103. Steve Cerruti, don't you ever call me Steve, and Chris Tannehill handle everything behind the scenes. We appreciate their work, and we appreciate you guys as well out there. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing and writing all the reviews. This thing is uh, taking on a life of its own, and I truly, truly appreciate your help with this project. So for Steve, for Tanny, for everybody out there. Thank you so much for listening to the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And as always, Spotify is the game. Make sure you are out there taking care of each other and always, always be safe.